Today is Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The border crisis has reached insane new levels as migrants are fleeing, mainly socialist countries. We'll have the details on that story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Joining me, as always, to get through the news of the cray, as we always call it here, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. Guys, happy hump day. What's going on in your neck of the woods? Well, it's been an exciting week. Lots of news, right. lots of fun, lots of good things. Nothing I'm, I'm, controversial, I'm at least. You know, it's all just everyone's getting along. You know, no yeah, fighting, no, no bickering. Everything's yep. perfect, oh, right? Wouldn't you Is love that- <laughs> the day when we all get along? It's, oh. Yeah. It's you ever a revelation, meet- I believe, at the very end. See, there's- I suppose heaven will be that place. Yes, yes. Uh, you ever meet those people that are like, maybe you're not on social media because everyone's irritated at each other all the time and you get these people that are just like, everything's great. Nothing's happening out there. And I'm just Life like, is better <sighs> if you are, if you're numb or, or blind to social media. I yeah. Th- I, you know, yeah, I think the, the winning tactic here is to turn off social media. Right. Except for the quick start podcast. You can do that through. Yeah, not us. Yeah. You don't delete turn. Don't everything turn, that. Yeah. Delete, delete everything for that. Get rid of technology, except for that and all the CBN stuff. Plenty of news coming up today and we're going to look into, including how some are fighting back on this little demon and more programming like that, how we can take action to sort of combat this crazy programming that's coming across our screens. And also on the main thing in the wake of Queen Elizabeth's funeral earlier this week, a lot of talked about her Christian faith and uh, we are going to look, uh, take a closer look at that. First, we are going to go through the news in 90 seconds. A new record is highlighting the crisis at the U.S. southern border where officials are recording more than 2 million encounters with migrants so far this fiscal year. Now, my, now encounters with migrants are the ones where uh, Border Patrol actually, you know, encounters them. That doesn't count all the people that get through that we don't know about. So it's an incredibly high number. Chris Magnus, who's commissioner of U.S. Customs and Border Protection said that failing communist regimes in Venezuela, Nicaragua, Cuba are driving this new wave of migration across the whole Western Hemisphere, including the recent encounters here at the southwest U.S. border. Of course, this all comes as Governor Ron DeSantis made headlines for sending 50 illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. That sparked a political back and forth. He responded for the first time uh, on an interview on Fox News and said that the undocumented immigrants had, quote, all signed consent forms to go. He said um, that it was showing that the flights were, quote, clearly voluntary and all the other nonsense you're hearing is just not true. President Biden, meanwhile, yesterday said that uh, he was asked, why is the border more overwhelmed than your watch? And he cited Venezuela, Cuba and Nicaragua. And he said it was, quote, uh, not rational to send people back there. So um, that's just a little bit about what's going on today. You can read more over on CBNnews.com. Uh, Guys, this this story, and I spent a little extra time on it today because it's just, it's dominating the headlines right now. And this is an issue that I think is a sticky one for, for Christians because, of course, we want to be compassionate. But what does it mean to be compassionate in this situation? Is it taking actions to stop the flow at the at the border? What do we do when millions are coming across? It's a, it's a tough scenario. Well, yeah, I mean, it seems like, and let me not oversimplify it, okay? Because people are going to be like, when did you become, <laughs> you know, czar of immigration? But it seems like closing off the border with a wall, which I know is controversial, as many walls 
walls as you can and, you know, with an appropriate measure and then having appropriate policies once you do that and then figuring out what you're going to do with the people who are already here, that those three things together would at least help the problem. Right. And then I think part of the problem there is because as now Christians, I've seen this complaint, you know, all Christians, you're not being compassionate to these ones that got sent to uh, you know Martha's Vineyard and then elsewhere. But that's the same complaint when Trump wanted to build the wall. They said the wall wasn't compassionate and that you're turning them away there. So, I mean, is that a good faith argument? Well, I think the argument, not the argument, I think the difficulty in this argument is the fact that all of it's used as a political football yeah. by the other side. Right. So anybody throws out a halfway decent idea, it'll get absolutely clobbered by right. the other side of the political aisle and vice versa. So it ends up being that no conversation actually happens because the actual conversation about policies ends up being interrupted uh, by these political ads that get cut and these talking points that get made and tweeted on social media. So I think it becomes increasingly difficult to have an actual good faith conversation. But I, I agree with you, Billy, that I think the solution is probably a combination of two or three things. It's just getting one, a, a bold enough politician to say what needs to be done, and then to be able to rally enough other politicians to vote for it. And having some humility yeah. as well to admit that, okay, we don't, this is a complicated issue. I mean, yes, like you can do no something as answer. simple as let's secure the border, but I mean, people are going to find ways around, they're still going to be coming in. So then you, you still have to have a plan, like you said, Billy, for once they do come in, what do we do? And we also have to be able to sift through political rhetoric because as you were saying, Trey, it seems like the politicians find more value in having the problem continue to exist and then using it to fundraise. Well, they don't want to secure the border and well, they don't care about migrants and and it just goes on and on and on. And then it, all these people that are coming here are caught in the middle and it is a tough scenario and, and of course have compassion for, I mean, they're fleeing as we, as we noted here at the top, these countries that are run by socialist regimes. So um, there's a whole bunch of different angles you can take on this. Um, but it's not something that's going to be solved overnight or very easily or probably ever fully solved, if we're being honest. But, I mean, we can we can probably limit it, but you, sometimes you wonder if that's if that's what politicians want. Yeah, it could be. Helped. Now, they don't. What, what America needs, and then I'll be quiet, honestly, <laughs> are a troop of people to go into the House, the Senate, and somebody to go into the White House who they don't care about winning more than one term. They're there to yeah. do the job they're there to do in the time because it's the right thing to do. We do not have enough of those people no and then and then and then you they fall back into tribalism um yeah you know and it's it's unfortunate that politicians have to be concerned about that and you're right they wouldn't be concerned about it if they knew hey i'm just going to be in here for this one term if i get another one great but i'm going to do what i think is right and then we'll call it a day there's there's a lot of calculation going on so to be continued as this one's certainly not going away anytime soon but our next story little demon this uh, show made quite a splash. We talked about it a few times, and it's just the latest example of some crazy programming that's coming across our screens. What is the Parents Television Council doing to combat Little Demon and uh, shows like that? Yeah, up until now, we had a situation where people were complaining appropriately, warning parents, and, and the Parents Television Council was doing that as well. But what they're now doing is actually jumping into action. They are essentially attempting to get advertisers not to advertise on the show, at the least to make those who have commercials running during the show. Because remember, FXX, the network that this is on, it's Disney-owned. 
but it's a cable network. So there's traditional commercials from what we understand, traditional sponsorship. So those people sponsoring, they are reaching out to them actively to let them know what the show is about, the contents of the show and all of that. So it's a, it's a different tactic, a much more practical if you want to actually see an impact. What kind of impact are we talking here? What could happen if they succeed and they're able to get some of these things done? I mean, what uh, what do you, what do you see this um, you know doing to the producers of shows like Little Demon? What they're trying to do is they're reaching out, obviously, to these advertisers because Melissa Henson with the Parents Television Council told us that look, advertising is still the lifeblood of this industry. When you're talking about cable, lots of money pouring in, and the assumption is that these advertisers are basically co-signing the content that their commercials are on. But really, what might be happening, and this is actually something that often happens in advertising, is that they may be slots that advertisements are being put on because they're open slots and maybe another show they were advertising on didn't perform as well. And so the point is there may be ads on Little Demon and other shows that those companies don't even realize they're advertising during the show, if that makes sense. Mm. And so they're making those shows aware that, hey, you have a commercial on, and they believe it could have a big impact because once people see what the show is about and the audience reaction, they may not want their ad on. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of these ad buys are either programmatic and they just kind of get digitally sent around. It's They may, may not always be aware. And, you know, just for those who aren't aware, what are some of the troubling contents of this show, Little Demon? Because, yeah, we saw some of the trailers and it's uh, it's disturbing stuff. Yeah, I mean, even talking with some of the people who have looked at the show and the Parents Television Council is one of those organizations, they had looked initially, they've watched them all now, but at the first three episodes, they saw 173 instances of explicit language, there were 45 acts of violence, and a ton of sexual content, in addition to the occultic themes and all of that in the show. So this is a really, this show actually breaks new boundaries when it comes to cable, and that's another point that needs to be made about this. This is not... There are lots of cable shows that have stretched boundaries. This one appears to be going uh, much further than many of the others have in the past. Mm. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly concerning stuff uh, on our television screens and um, a good reminder to A, know what your kids are watching and B, I mean, maybe watch less of it. I don't know. I mean, that's a the way things are going right now and the agendas that are being pushed. There's just not there. I mean, there are a few places you can go, a few refuges left. Um to have safe content for your kids. I mean, what's considered safe now is uh, that that uh, slippery slope has gone pretty far down the scales. Yeah, no, I think for sure. And I think what's this tactic is interesting uh, from this group, right? Because they're they're seeing an instance when they may be like FFXX, it's a tongue twister. Yeah. Uh, they might be cannibalizing themselves, right? Because they're running ads uh, that are putting other shows in jeopardy. So uh, it's interesting to, to, to see them rather than just kind of burning the whole house down, uh, which seems to be kind of the direction that a lot of people go in for good reason. I mean, there's a lot of concerning stuff that's put out by entertainment companies, not just Disney owned properties, but all kinds of stuff. So uh, I can see the their merit for going that route too, but they're choosing to be a little bit more, um, you know, logical here, uh, a little bit more tactical in their approach, which I think is interesting. So it'll be, it'll be fascinating to see if uh, FXX is interested in something like this, if they see the same concern. Um, but yeah, this is not going anywhere. Like you were saying, Dan. Yeah, I mean, so many times these actions and the reactions from companies and from who's in charge of these these programmers that are making this stuff, you know, if they see 
enough people saying, mm, no, nah, we don't want that kind of thing. They'll eventually come around. So hopefully, hopefully we can see on a, a combination of these things happening at the same time. That will lead to some more wholesome content that we don't have to worry so much about. So, all right, Billy, thanks for bringing that one. That leads us to our main thing today. And Queen Elizabeth's funeral was Monday. And there has been a lot of talk. We've reported on it a little bit on CBN and Faithwire on the Queen's Christian faith. And in her later years, the Queen became increasingly open about her convictions. And Trey spoke with Regent Professor Robert Schwarzwalder about her faith and how it shaped Europe on today's main thing. In the wake of Queen Elizabeth's death, questions have arisen about the monarch's faith, a Christianity that became louder and bolder as she aged. We spoke with Robert Schwarzwalder, a senior lecturer at Regent University's Honors College, about the late Queen's faith and what it meant to Europe and to the United States. Well, she was raised in the Church of England, of course, as the monarch of Great Britain. She is or was the head of the Church of England. She also was someone who took very seriously her coronation oath that as long as she served, she would do so as a matter of commitment to God. And she took that very seriously. It's thought that's why she never resigned um, from her um, monarch uh, position of being monarch because she felt she had made a promise to God. And of course, um, her eldest son, Prince Charles is now in his seventies but she felt like she needed to fulfill that obligation, apparently. In terms of her own faith, I think it's pretty clear, especially from her last few announcements at Christmas and other occasions, that she believed very seriously in the person and work of Jesus Christ. She made an especial point of this toward the end of her life, emphasizing things like Christ's resurrection, um, the hope that we have in Christ, the assurance that he gives us of new life, and those are things that previously she had been more guarded about articulating, but it seems as though toward the end of her life, she became bolder for the Lord. And um, I think that there's even something in uh, the public record, uh, maybe even the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, has alluded to this, that she became more outspoken. As she aged, Queen Elizabeth certainly did seem to become more comfortable expressing her faith. In fact, in 2020, she gave the very first Easter address of her reign as monarch. Uh, why do you think uh, she became more expressive as she got older? That's a really good question. I read some of Billy Graham's material on his interaction with the Queen and how privately she would be much more expressive about her faith. I also read that when... Um, the eldest son of the new king, uh, Charles III, was courting his now wife, um, Kate Middleton. She met with uh, her grandson and talked with him about what the Bible teaches about marriage. And uh, I was very moved by that, that she made a point of sharing her faith and how it implicated the obligations and the privileges that come with marriage. And she did this, um, I guess, very pointedly with her grandson so that as a forthcoming monarch, he would set an example to the British people of what a good marriage should be. Um, in terms of why, I, this is a surmise, she was very elderly, and perhaps she felt, at the end of my life, I can speak what I want to. I read just today, she had said that the Christian faith provides a basis for the freedom of religion that all Britons enjoy. And I thought that that was a very interesting and thoughtful statement. Because we believe, as Christians, of course, that God opens the door to us if we are willing to walk through it. 
and if we're willing to place our trust in Christ. But there's no obligation. Jesus never forced anyone to become his disciple. He invited them to. And I think the queen was making the point that our faith respects the dignity and the volition of all people. And therefore, we open up the door um, for people to believe and practice their faith as they want to, because they are responsible not to the state, but to God. And Christianity provides a basis for people to make that decision. Um, so my surmise uh, in summary is I think as she um, grew elderly, she became bolder because probably she felt, I need to say something now. And if not now, I'll never have the opportunity again. In America, it can be easy to abstract the monarchy, you know, to see it as nothing more than entertainment. Uh, but what impact, Professor, did the Christian witness of the late Queen have on Britons in the UK? A few years ago, I was in Oxford meeting with a friend of mine. His daughter came home from school and she said, today we learned about the seven pillars of Islam. And I think they had had to all wear headscarves and so forth. And I said to my friend, I wonder what she would, um, or I wonder what would happen if she asked her teacher, can we learn about the five solas of the Protestant Reformation? In other words, I hope that in Britain generally, um, there is not an anti-Christian bias that prejudices people against a royal or a king um, or any member of the royal family who has a robust Christian faith. Um, and we can certainly hope that the king would embrace that faith personally if he is not a believer. Um, and in terms of the monarchy itself, they're all over the map. I think we clearly see that. Um, but like anyone else, we can certainly pray that God would work in their lives, draw them all into a great walk with himself, and that as such, they would model that walk for the people of their country. There is, of course, so much that we could talk about, but we want to extend a special thank you to Regent Professor Robert Schwartzwalder for taking the time to join us today on the Quick Start Podcast. All right, Trey, thanks for that conversation there. And that leads us into our last thing for today. And we're going to go to 1 Timothy 1, starting in verse 3, where he's urging uh, brothers and sisters in Christ to not teach strange doctrines or pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussion. So I'll leave it there, guys. There's obviously a lot more, uh, but what what is your reaction to that? I'm thinking that that seems to echo a lot of what I'm seeing today out on social media and elsewhere. Well, I feel like he was writing about my Twitter feed way <laughs> earlier than he should have yeah. been. Um, no, I think it's I think it's definitely something that dominates our culture. We probably spend a good chunk of our time on social and other places having discussions that are relatively fruitless. Some of them do matter, but even the conversations that matter get distracted by all of the chaos of the infighting and the back and the forth, and so you really can easily embrace the wrong ideas or put things before the gospel when you engage in that too often. And I'm guilty of that sometimes. Yeah. As Christians, I think that's a good, this passage is a good edification to be careful. What are we investing our time in? Like, how am I utilizing the tools that I have to build the kingdom and not tear people down and not tear the kingdom down? Certainly. Cause I think the, the instinct that we have with social media is if something happens and I've got a Twitter or Instagram or Facebook account, I have to have an opinion on it. And I've got to share it right now. When in, 
uh, reality, be slow to, you know, be slow to speak, quick to listen, like scripture says. So I think this is a good reminder of keeping those principles in mind. Yeah. And then one other thing I'll add is just the strange doctrines part of it. Um, yes. Just like then, just like today, I mean, I feel like that the church is being incredibly pressured by culture to adopt and cave on certain issues and, you know, teach things that are not biblical. So we've got to be in our Bibles. We've got to, you know, we're never going to fully all agree on everything. Everybody, you know, kind of has different beliefs on certain things that are sort of debatable uh, within the Bible. But the big things we should try to agree on as much as possible and and be diligent. Weigh everything against Scripture and at least make the arguments through Scripture where I see so many times in culture today that the people don't do that. They just go based on feeling and what they think is right and what the way the wind is blowing in the culture. So that's where we're going to leave it for today. Thanks so much for being here as always. You can head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. And Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We'll be back here again tomorrow with more. So we'll see you then. God bless.